0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas. And if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, happy Sunday, everybody. What's up?
1: It's uh, it's church day. That's right. Yep.
0: Come to church. Hopefully you're Go there. to church.
1: Where you've been, where you're going. Hey, do you guys know, for those who come to our church, that there is a Spotify playlist with the weekend's music on it? What? Some people didn't know that. I was talking to someone on Sunday. Yeah. Last Sunday. And they were surprised that there was a playlist with our music. Because they're like, Oh, I, I knew those songs today. I'm like, that's fantastic. Like you could know all of our songs right. by the time Sunday comes around. By Tuesday of the of the week, I usually update our playlist with our our latest weekend set list so that you can prepare before you get to church which is really helpful and you know it would be even
0: more helpful What's is that? if we had a social media manager that <laughs> uh, could really promote these things and help us get it out there because look we, it's on
1: our it's on our website
0: yeah but I, I, the majority of our people probably frequent instagram and facebook and those things far more than they frequent Safari or Internet Explorer, whatever browser. They're, they're Internet choosing.
1: Explorer, Pastor Chrome, DJ.
0: 1994. Netscape. Yeah, Netscape. <laughs> AOL. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just So all that to say, hey, if, if social media is kind of your bag and you would like to serve the church, we could use a social
1: media manager. And Papa wants a brand new bag. Maybe you could help us. What? Papa's got a brand new bag. A bag? bag? Didn't yeah, you say know. that's your bag? Yeah, meaning like that's your thing. Yeah, well, then, yeah. There's a song called Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. Yeah, is that what that's about? I thought it was just like he Is it a a drug reference he was like hey look I got a new bag. <laughs> it's a Dolce and Gabbana. Just want everybody to know. Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Louis Vuitton. Hey don't you have a Louis Vuitton uh no, wallet? Nothing. No. Belt buckle? Nope. No, nothing? Nope. I thought you did. Did you no. not have those pants? They were like these really tight pants with LV's all over them. No. Did you not have those? No. No. Not. <laughs> no. Okay. Listen, we,
0: we covered the concept of slander with my children the other day during the Psalm, <laughs> our study of the Psalms together in the morning. That, that, kids, if you're listening, that's what this is. I was asking, that's asking right questions. That's all. I
1: was asking questions. I've never owned
0: Louis Vuitton anything. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe this year's your year. I don't think so. Okay. I
1: don't think so. I'm going to get you a, uh, a money clip. No, it's LB like- LV money clip.
0: It's like Dan sent us that text about the cologne that can make you smell like smoke. <laughs> like I pass- no, thanks.
1: No, thanks. Huh? Yeah, no, okay. I'm, not, I'm not on that. Hey, someone brought up a question in response to our episode about Bible translations. And you made the case that the LSB is the only Bible you should read because I, it's the most again, accurate. slander. <laughs> slander. <laughs> okay, no, for real though. Right. Uh, so they had a question about the Amplified Bible. Yep. And the Amplified Bible, in case you know, know what that is, is the Bible where it'll give you a multiplicity of words based on the words in the scripture. In fact, I think I might have that one on my Logos library. It's like a choose your own ending <laughs> kind of. If we're going to we're going to give it the best, you know, the best spin. It's intended to give you the flavor of the verse so that you better understand it. It's not trying to say, "Hey, right. you could choose any one of these words," but that's often how people tend to utilize it. Right. So, Amplified Bible, what's concerns or guidelines might you give to that? Should even should someone even use it? Yeah, I <laughs> Listen, for the majority of people, I would say
0: probably not. I I, I don't think it's going to be helpful for you. Not helpful at all? Yeah. Wow. Because, listen, there there are good translations out there whose editors you can trust who have made the right decisions. I think the the desire to say, well, I want the Amplified Bible because I want to know the semantic range of meaning of that word. For the majority of people, we're we're playing above our pay grades at that point in time. And we're trying to make decisions that we, we feel like are better than the editors of these other trusted translations have made at the end of the day, like I brought up in, in the last episode or whenever that was, if I tell you, hey, can you go get this from the trunk? I have one meaning in mind on that. And I don't mean the the tree or I don't mean the elephant's nose. I, may, right. I mean the, the trunk of my car. Can well, you go get that from there?
1: Let me give you John 3.16 because okay. I, I do have it in my laga. So let me just quote you a passage and then you can speak to that. Okay, uh, John 3.16 says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he, bracket even, gave up his only begotten, parenthesis, unique, son, so that whoever believes in, that is, parenthesis, trusts in, clings to, relies on, him shall not perish, parenthesis, come to destruction, be lost, close parenthesis, but have eternal life, eternal, rather, uh, eternal, uh, parenthesis, everlasting, close parenthesis, life.
0: Yeah, again, I'm, I'm doubling down even more now. Number one, don't ever use it to memorize anything because. That's you'll tough, be- yeah. That's one. Well, verse, you don't have to say
1: open like, parenthesis, close parenthesis. That, that you don't say that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it,
0: it, the Amplified Bible is basically trying to be a commentary and a Bible at the same time. And I think you're better off using one translation and having mm. a good commentary to the side, so that mm. you don't confuse the two. Because when you when you mix the two, then editors' comments, which are marked by parentheses most t- most often, can be put on par with the, the authority of God's word. And at the end of the day, that that's not true. If I've got a separate commentary, I know by nature of the fact that it is separate from my Bible that this is not the inspired word of God. This is an interpretation of it and a view on that that I'm going to hopefully trust the people with regards to the decisions that they're making, but I know that the words of the commentary are not breathed out by God. When we bring those two together, I I just think we're in a dangerous place there. So I I would say leave your Amplified Bible on the shelf, grab your ESV, grab your CSB, grab your LSB, grab grab whatever and, and, and not whatever any of those <laughs> grab your new world translation.
1: Stop, stop. Gra- well okay get, and get your commentary and
0: and use both
1: together get this did, did you know did that, i know did, did you know that the producers of the amplified bible are the lockman foundation which they are also the publishers of the nasb
0: right yeah the nasb yeah and, and that's great again i my my point still stays and and also it's you, you want your Bible to be readable. In fact, here's something that's interesting. If, you, if you've never done this before, they have readers' versions out there of pretty much every translation that you can think of. And and one of the cool things about that, I've got one in the ESV, that uh, they, they take away the chapter divisions, or at least they take away all the verse numbers in it. And so you're not reading and going, okay, verse one, verse two, verse three, verse four. Right. You're reading as it was originally written, which is without verse numbers in there. And it can be helpful to for just the continuity and, and and you can spend longer reading that and then look up and realize, wow, wow I've, I've read a few chapters and didn't even realize it because I'm not counting the verse numbers as I'm reading. It, it seems like the Amplified Bible would be really, really, really difficult to use as as a a consistent form of, of intaking God's word, because it is so staccato and broken up along the way.
1: Yeah. I could probably see a use case where if you're studying and you you want something to freshen up the reading of a certain text. Yeah. Okay. Maybe in the same way that you might pick up a, I don't know, the NIV or something else in, in, in a like fashion. Yeah. I think there's a place for it, but probably not with a great deal of regularity by and large trust your your closer to literal translations which again we really like the ESV combines readability with uh with accuracy and we think it does a decent job yep. really good job actually Speaking of which, let's read some of the ESV together. Okay. Let's get into Numbers chapter five and six. And by the way, just one more time, and we were just talking about this a second ago. Yeah. If you're reading with us and you're at Numbers five and six, hey, good job. Good job. Keep it up. Yep. This is exactly what you should be doing. You're doing exactly what God wants you to yeah. do. And hey, if, if you fall off for a minute, jump back in. Jump back in today. Yeah. Do it. Don't let's delay. Go. Come on.
0: Come with us. That's right. Don't feel like, oh man, I gotta wait until next year. Nope, no, nope. it's a long time until January. Take it
1: back up right now. Yeah, get back. You got back. this.
0: Yeah, numbers five. Uh, this is uh, we're we're coming up on the spring. In fact, the weather's been really beautiful outside. Spring cleaning. That's kind of what's going on here. We're it's we're, so we're nice. cleaning. I mean, that's what's going on in right. in number chapter five. So what do we do with those unclean people in our house? Right, we're gonna put them outside. Put them outside. Get them out. Yep. Put them outside. Just turn the kids loose. Yeah, no. In verses one through four, there—that's what's going on here. Those that are unclean are put outside the camp. They don't want to defile the camp and uh, and have any problems within the camp. Especially now that the tabernacle is within the camp, uh, and so it's important that the camp should be pure. The camp should be clean. So uh, anyone who has this discharge or, or skin disease, like we covered back in Leviticus, they need to be outside the camp. Um, uh, verses five through ten there. Gets into the idea of of your vows and and uh, and, and paying uh, uh, for transgressions, paying back people things that you owe them if you've wronged them. You're going to add twenty percent again because we want to be clean even in our relationships. There and then, Pastor Rod, we get into this this difficult section on adultery. Yes, in verses eleven through thirty-one. I'm going to go to the bathroom. You got okay. this, right? Awesome. Okay. Yep. i Yeah. Um, so the first thing to understand is, is why is adultery in a chapter on cleansing? Well, because adultery was seen as a pollutant. It was a for defilement. Right. right. It was a defilement. For
1: marriage, for the people as a whole.
0: Yeah. And so in this chapter, the, the proceedings break down basically this way. And, Not and, and, talking from the bathroom, by the way. Okay. Yeah. No, he's back. i was here. Very quick. Very fast. <laughs> so, uh, Multitasking. It, it, it breaks down like this. Okay. The, the, the husband is the one who has the right to bring the wife in and bring charges against the wife. And, and that may be one thing that makes us uncomfortable that we're like, well, why is it just the husband's here? Yeah, why
1: can't she do this?
0: So the husband is, is the one that has the right to bring the charge so he can bring his wife if he suspects her of having uh, committed adultery, cheated on him. She's going to bring a grain offering in her hand that the priest is going to take her into the court of the tabernacle before the Lord. He's going to take a, an earthenware vessel or a bowl. He's going to put some water in it, mix it with dust from the floor of the tabernacle. In other words, the the holy ground kind of, uh, the best idea is when Moses approaches the burning bush and God says, take off the, the sandals for, your sandals for the ground on which you stand
1: is, is holy ground. So okay. it's kind of representative of of God's presence. So this is not like a Harry Potter concoction no. meant to hurt somebody. no. Okay. No. So it's not a magic potion.
0: Yeah. And and then the priest goes back to her, unbinds her hair, which was a, again a sign of defilement, if if the woman is is guilty, you know, she's her hair is going to be unbound. Uh, she, she's going to hold the water in or the priest rather is going to hold the water in his hands, recite these curses to the woman and then she's going to agree to those things, drink the water. If the water then if if she is Guilty of this then her thigh is going to fall away and her belly is going to swell and and there's questions about what in the world is Is that what's going on there and she's going to be childless for the rest of her her life Okay, so there it is from from 30,000 feet. What do we do with that? Well number one there's nothing to what you just said, pastor, Rod. there's nothing magical about the, the water. There's nothing about the water that causes infertility. This is water and dust from the ground. If somebody drinks water with some dirt in it, they're not all of a sudden infertile. What, what right. causes this is the judgment of God against this woman. If the woman is guilty of her sin, yeah. if she's not guilty of her sin, then she's pardoned. And, and again, some of our sensibilities want to say, well, well, then what happens to her husband? Who's the one that brought the charges? We don't have anything listed here. Right.
1: In and- well, can I, if I can just add a quick thing on that. Yeah it would be it would be dishonorable for him to do this as well so it, it, they they both suffer a bit of social credibility because of this thing so while she she's the one who's going through the the ceremonial the ritual he's also putting his reputation on the line as well so this wouldn't have been a good thing for either one of them it's kind of it's going to be one of those situations where it's going to be a last case situation like okay i guess we have to go to this thing because right i suspect you're having problems and, and you're not being forthcoming as i think you should be right and and one of the things that we may not feel because we're not under the same cultural context is that this 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 would cost them yeah this would cost both of them not just her although she's the one who's on display so i would add that
0: yeah because it would cost them
1: with him because his progeny would would
0: be gone as well he wouldn't have any kids either because this woman is now going to be barren and childless right. moving forward right um but but also, this ceremony was also put in place to protect the woman as well because the if if this wasn't the the situation, then if this is taken into the hands of the people or the hands of the husband, then this woman might be executed right and assumed guilty and then immediately killed. And so this procedure, this situation was meant to protect the woman against false charges or false suspicions. Where she could
1: be cleared. She could be vindicated. Through this process. And right? that would be the husband's consolation. Like clearly she was innocent because nothing happened. Right. And it would be evident to her and to everyone else, okay, Mrs. So and so has been vindicated. Right. And that would have been a long donkey ride home after that. A long donkey ride. Yeah. It yeah. would
0: be awkward for everybody. It would be horrible. And and this is not a this is not a good situation, and to your point. I don't think this is something where men were like, Great, this is gonna be awesome. We can just whenever we need to check, we'll just take our wives down to right. the tabernacle. We'll be like, Hey, can you just double check? Yeah it's it's a situation where God values purity in marriage and right. values marriage as a whole, and we see that here, and that's why this is put in place is he didn't want polluted marriages in the camp, and so, this is a way to identify that.
1: Why is it one-sided then? Can we offer any, any insight into that?
0: Uh, part of it was societal. I mean, part of it is the, the fact that as we talk about a patriarchal society and, uh, and that has a, a negative connotations to it, but Um, It it just happens to be the case. This does not, by the way, green light the men to go and commit adultery. Right. This is not saying, men, it doesn't matter if you go and commit adultery at all. This is just simply laying out the procedures for if uh, a a man suspects his wife of having been unfaithful to, Mm -hmm. to him, then this is the procedures to go through.
1: I would also point you guys to verses 20 and 29. Both of those sections, uh, the part of the reason why he's not subject to this same kind of ritual ritualistic approach is because he is the one who's been given authority. So verse 20, uh, but if you have gone astray, though you are under your husband's authority, verse 20 says, and he continues on. And then in verse 29, this is the law in cases of jealousy when a wife, though under her husband's authority. So you see this repeated in multiple places. And the idea here is that the husband's the one who's leading the family. That is, to your point, a patriarchal approach, but this is God's approach. God called Adam to lead. God calls the men to lead. So this is really reiterating the kind of responsibility God it, God gives to the man, and that includes certain privileges. Now, if a man is wise and godly, he's not going to just throw this out there willy-nilly because there's going to be a bit of shame that comes for him too. Yeah. The fact that you even suspect your wife was doing something like this would have been a mark of shame on any man in Israel. Because people are going to look, well, you can't control your wife. You can't You can't take care of your wife. You, she has to go to find other springs right. of water. Right. So this isn't a good thing for either one of them. Right. But the reason there's not a similar one for her is because the marriage is under his authority. Yeah. He's called to lead. This is his, his play. Yeah, and, and, and you may be thinking, okay, so what happens if she's guilty?
0: She's childless. What, what from there? Well, it's interesting because it, while they don't deal with divorce right here, when Jesus talks about divorce in the Sermon on the Mount, he says of Moses, Moses granted you certificates of divorce in cases of adultery. But did did you catch in that same section when Jesus talks about that why Moses did that? He didn't do that because yes, this is the will of God that this marriage should end. It says there and Jesus says he did this because of your hardness of heart. In other words, because you could not bring yourself to forgive, you were not willing to reconcile, mm. even in situations of adultery. And that's why our our first stop, church, in, in cases of infidelity is not gonna be great, you've got a green light, you might as well divorce and, and let's move on with this and we'll try to find somebody else. Right. We're gonna first say we wanna counsel towards reconciliation if reconciliation is possible. And we believe that it, it is possible. Most of the time. Most of the time that the gospel is able to do this. There are circumstances where it, it's not and it doesn't end that way. And yes, there is the permission in those circumstances. But that was something else that's
1: implicit here in Numbers chapter 5 that's not explicitly stated. Right. So with regard to marriage, we think this has a lot to say, even to New Testament Christians. This isn't here for you to say, oh, that's interesting that that's what happened back then. Still a lot here for us in terms of application, not to, not the least of which what you're saying, Pastor PJ, we don't want to encourage divorce. Right. It's not something we want to pursue or even right. take advantage of if, if there even is an, is an option. Right. But I also think there's something here about the the, the husband being the leader. Right. He's called to lead. He's called to be the, the one who makes the decisions on behalf of the family. And this is his prerogative by God's authority. He's not to abuse it. He's not to misuse it. But he is to use it for the good of his wife and the good of his family
0: yeah and, and ladies if you're listening to this going man I'm glad I don't live back in that time because I wouldn't want my husband to do that what kind of man are you married to <laughs> like let's let's talk about that for a second like do you if if I mean if your husband loves you as Christ loves loves the church if if you trust him if you are are there going he is the the one that I'm choosing to submit to and, and he's my leader th- this is not something that you would be afraid of. And so that that's why I think that's another thing to, to think about here. It's not like this is a bunch of you know chauvinist pigs that that are all dragging their their wives around by their hair with caveman clubs and things like that. Like <laughs> these are still supposed to be, and their standard as men is to be godly men who love their wives well. And uh, right. and that's in, uh, another part of this as well. All right, chapter six: the Nazarite vow. Then. The Nazarites, the Nazarites. So this was a vow that was not a priestly vow, but it was a vow that could be taken by uh, by a, a lay person. In, Any old person. Yeah, anyone. Um, that was dedicating themselves to the service of God, usually for a set period of time, though not always. Some people were Nazarites for their entire lives. And, uh, and sometimes this was, somebody else would dedicate their child towards this end. Samson fits that that uh, motif. So does Samuel. Both were set apart by their parents to be lifelong Nazarites. Thanks mom. Um, Yeah. Thanks for that one. (laughs) Uh, So what was it to be a Nazarite? Well, no alcohol, uh, no grape products of any kinds, no seeds, even of the grapes, Uh, no dead bodies could not touch a dead body at all. And then of course the one that is probably most well known is no No haircuts. haircuts. Yep.
1: I kind of like the cost savings for
0: that. That'd be fun. It would be, although man shampoo, you'd have to buy a lot of shampoo to a lifelong of hair. Just, I saw a video that made the case that you don't actually need to shampoo your hair. Well, we won't talk about that right now. That's gross. You should shampoo your hair. I mean, I do, but... Number 611, this one's interesting because if if the Nazarite is standing next to somebody who dies, (laughs) it says he sinned by reason of the dead body. It's like, well, what? How is that fair, right? Like if I'm just in proximity and somebody just... They're Drops dead, dead. They're yeah. dead. And It's like, Oh man, like your Nazareth Thanks, vow, Bob, you've got to go cut your hair. Now you've got to rego You've got to offer atonement. You've got to cleanse yourself. You got to. It's in. And, and that's why I, I think the CSB translation here, rather than he sinned by reason of the dead body, which is what the ESV says. CSB says he incurred guilt by reason of the dead body. And, and that's the defilement idea rather than this guy didn't sin because his, his buddy next to him dropped dead. Uh, there was no, Guilt incurred by him, but the, the, the guilt incurred was more by a defilement of being in proximity to the dead body. I think. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the, uh, the the consecration though of the this group was serious. I mean, it was on par with the the high priests as far as uh, not their role because they weren't offering sacrifices and they certainly weren't weren't going into the the holy place, but. Uh, being set apart and being uh, consecrated and considered devoted to the Lord, it was up there at that level. Again, some of the differences here between the Nazarites and the priests: they, the Nazarites, could not enter the tent of meeting or offer sacrifices. The Nazarites could be either men or women. Uh, there was no distinct clothing or vestments, as the ESV says, for the Nazarites. Uh, no trimming of the hair, no cutting the hair, and uh, and also. Um, they weren't supported, as the priests were, by the sacrifices of the people. So they still had to have their, their jobs on the side as
1: well as being a, a Nazarite there. So what would provoke someone to want to do this? And what relation might this have for someone like me or uh, you or anyone who's listening to our podcast today?
0: Well, I think it, the, the, the notion of for a period of time, yeah. I think we can maybe draw the parallel with our notion of fasting, today of saying, Hey, you know what? I, I really want to seek the Lord on this particular matter. I really want to set myself aside and, and really devote myself to pursuing his wisdom, his discernment in this. That might be one application. That's a good one. Um, a, another one might be, you know, the, some that think, you know, I, I, I want to, I'm a lay layman or laywoman, but I, I'd, I'd love to go get a seminary degree. I want to grow in my knowledge and understanding of the scriptures mm-hmm. and, and set myself apart in that regard so that I can be more effective servant of God's church. Um, But is this a situation to say, I'm going to abstain from alcohol and grow my hair out? I mean, if you want to do that, go for it. Pastor Rod's got some
1: shampoo <laughs> tips for you, but I don't think we're, no we're looking shampoo. at literal Nazarite vows anymore. No, of course not. And, and it's funny because I, I, we think Paul did this. Paul right. was under a Nazarite vow, and so he goes and fulfills. That actually pays for the, the Nazarite vow of a few others at the same time. Uh, I think one of the cool things about this is that God acknowledges that there are people that are hungry for him, yeah. people that want to pursue him at a deeper, more, uh, a, a greater level. And there are times in our lives where God does stir our affections in a, in a more greater than usual sense, and I think what this tells me is that there's times when setting your, 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 yourself apart for that is such a good thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, anytime, time, time at all that you feel called to deepen your commitment to Christ, that's never a bad, that's not the devil. The devil's not telling you, hey, right. <laughs> what do you think about going deeper in Christ? Ah, you know, right. twiddling his fingers. Right. That's not the devil. Often, if you feel this, this is an invitation from God to say, hey, there's more where that came from. Yep. Pursue me. And yep. he honors that. He honors this by setting up a whole chapter to say, look, if you want to pursue a kind of relationship with me, that's closer, deeper. And notice this is not ascetic either. This is not him saying, go to the wilderness and, you know, sh- hit yourself in the back with the, <laughs> with the belt 40 E-focused. times. Yeah. This not, is not that. Right. This is God saying, there's a time in your life where you're going to want to draw near. And here's, here's some parameters for how to go about that without getting all weird and moving out to the middle of the desert, like m- the monastics. He's saying there's an authorized way to do this. He's giving it to Israel to any person whatsoever who wanted to draw near of Christ. And I think in the new Testament, our drawing near to God has already been fully paid for. That's why we don't do these weird things here. Christ has made it available. The question is how deeply do you want to go yeah. and whether or not you're willing to put in the time and energy for that prayer, fasting, the word, we know the tools. It's yep. a matter of whether we'll put them to use.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's interesting that, that this was such a visual thing, right? Because Jesus is going to say in the sermon on the Mount, Hey, when you fast, don't look gloomy. And, and when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Right. And yet the Nazarites, it, it's almost like it's drawing attention. You wear it on yourself. To them, right? right? Like, look at us. We're, we're, we're the not My the hair's long. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm under a Nazarite vow. I, I wonder, and I don't know why. I haven't given it too much thought as to why it would be such a visual representation for the community. Because that long hair, yeah, maybe it's a reminder to them
1: every time they've got to tuck it up under their, their head wrap or whatever. But. Yeah. Well, we didn't talk about this in the last chapter, but there is something to be said about physical representation of of other serious things. I mean, in in our culture and and 2024, Western America, we don't have a lot of symbolic acts. One of the coolest things that I ever attended was a quinceanera when a a young woman. Thank you. When a young woman turns 15 in Hispanic culture, uh, she has this massive ceremony. This formal occasion, it's a birthday party basically, but right. everyone dresses up really nice. She, she dresses up in this usually ornate, massive, kind of like a mom, but for Hispanics. Okay. Okay. Massive dress. But the, the idea here is that she's transitioning into womanhood. Right. You make a big deal out of it. Right. And I think this is one of those things where we, we, we as a culture, decide. Some things are so worth highlighting that we're willing to give them physical representations that convey a deeper reality. Like 4th of July, we put fire in the sky to represent our independence. How does that connect? Well, it's a loose connection, but maybe the bombs and, you know, the the, the fighting. So it's kind of the one rocket's of those red things. Glare. Yeah, the rocket's red glare. Uh, so sure, I think this is what's happening here. And granted, there's always a time for this to go wrong because the human heart's like, oh, look at me, look at me. Right. Uh, but I think that the importance here is that symbolically what it meant was more important for the, the community of Israel to see than for them to keep it quiet. Yeah. Hopefully. That's my guess. Yep. Yeah, number 6, 22 through 27, then I don't want to
0: overlook this section because this is one of the more well-known portions of the book of Numbers. This is Aaron's blessing uh, when he pronounces a a benediction, which is uh, speaking well um, over someone, eulogizing, same concepts here. Um, I guess eulogizing just to speak well more personally this is more corporately he's pronouncing this blessing but one of the points here is just that, that that this blessing from the Lord is not just for the Nazarites it's not just for the Levites it's not just for the priests but God's blessing was going to be upon the entirety of the nation of Israel and so as as Aaron stands up and he blesses this he's he's giving the people hope that, uh, that God is going to uh, show favor to the nation if they are walking in obedience to him that's right yeah All right, y'all, will keep reading your Bibles and join us tomorrow, one chapter tomorrow. That's it. 89 verses. And so much of it is copy-paste. We'll be able to talk about it in short order, I suspect. I think so, I think so. So keep reading your Bibles and tune in tomorrow while we continue reading the book of Numbers. See you then, guys. Bye.